While they nearly pulled off the comeback at Lambeau Field, the Seahawks fell just short in a 19-15 defeat to the Packers to wrap up the preseason. I'll be breaking it all down in our latest post-game podcast here on Locked on Seahawks. You are Locked on Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings 12. This is Corbin Smith, host of the Locked On Seahawks podcast, your daily Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. A special thanks to all the 12s here on a Sunday morning, the day after joining me for the postcast. Had some family stuff to attend to yesterday while the game was going on and afterwards. So thank you for your patience. Looking forward on breaking down everything from Saturday's loss to the Packers at Lambeau Field, a 1915 defeat. Kind of a struggle on the offensive side of the football. We'll be looking at some key storylines, dishing out my weekly game balls, and our final three up, three down of the preseason. So again, a special thanks to all the 12s out there, whether you're listening in Everett or in Scottsdale, Arizona. We greatly appreciate your support. Let's get to the festivities, shall we? Now for your lead story here on our special Sunday postcast edition of Locked on Seahawks. The Seahawks nearly pulled off an undefeated preseason, but their rally late at Lambeau Field came up just short. Holton Ehlers throwing an interception on the final play of the game. They were inside 30 seconds to play, and unfortunately, Ehlers was just trying to make a play. Nobody was open there, and he made a really good drive, a really good effort there, leading the Seahawks down the field to put themselves in the position to win the game, and unfortunately could not finish things off. And Overall, yes, final preseason game. You don't want to put too much stock in it. And reserves were playing a lot. Drew Locke played most of this game at the quarterback position for the Seahawks. They had a proven experienced starter playing for a lot of the game there, but no starters really aside from the corners, potential starters at corners played in this game. It was all backups. And so you had to take the results with a little bit of a grain of salt. And at the same time, I'm going to say this right now. I was impressed with the effort, particularly on the defensive side of the football. Green Bay was playing a large majority of its starters in this football game from the outset, including their quarterback, Jordan Love. And so the defense was going to get tested much more than the first couple of weeks. And aside from giving up a touchdown catch to Christian Watson, Mike Jackson in coverage there. Otherwise, I thought that they held up pretty well. They did a decent job against the run. So that would be the big positive to me from this. Even though the Seahawks defense did give up nine points, they had a blocked field goal, blocked PAT in there to limit it from 10 points. But I thought overall there were more positives than negatives with the way that a mostly backup-laden defense handled Green Bay's starting offense. And the flip side of the coin, I didn't think that Seattle's offense was near as efficient as what they were the first two preseason games. And in particular, Drew Locke didn't have a bad game, 16 for 25, 150 yards, but he should have thrown a pick six. I believe it was the second drive of the game, tried to squeeze a ball into Jake Bobo that was not open. And luckily the corner showed why he's a cornerback and not a receiver, dropped the ball. So Seahawks ended up punting one of the seven punts that they had in this football game. They had a lot of trouble moving the football throughout the game offensively, sustaining drives. They did finish with 43% of their third downs 
converted, which is higher percentage than I thought watching the game. It felt like there were a lot more third downs they missed on. But in the second half, they were more efficient in that regard. They had a couple nice touchdown drives they were able to put together. Otherwise, this was an offer for the offense. Really a struggle with those seven punts. Aesop Winston with a fantastic game. Seven receptions, 74 yards. Had a couple long catches on their second touchdown drive that was capped off by Sir Roderick Thompson Jr. from a yard out. Just getting downhill. Pete Carroll was raving about that touchdown at the goal line see the physicality and quite frankly, the decisiveness you got to have to be able to score in the red zone down close to the goal line. And overall, as I mentioned, I thought the defense was solid in this game. Green Bay though, was able to sustain drives way more than what the Seahawks are going to want to do in the regular season. Nine for 18 on a third down. They did get two fourth down stops against the Packers. They gave up one of those three opportunities. So there just were too many drives that were extended by third and fourth down conversions. I felt like the pass rush wasn't there for most of this game, but you got to give the Green Bay Packers credit. They were getting the football out. Their quarterbacks were unloading the football quickly when they were throwing the ball. They weren't giving a lot of opportunities for pass rushers to get after the quarterback, Tyreek Smith, that a couple of times that he got into the backfield, wasn't quite able to get the quarterback down. There were a few other pressures, but really this was a game where I felt like the run defense, aside from a few big runs that they gave up, I thought the run defense, again, was pretty solid. They did a good job defending quarterback runs. And I thought that the secondary, it was hit and miss. Mike Jackson had a very up and down day. There will be more about that later in the show, but they were able to get several pass breakups. And again, you give up 19 points in a game. You should be able to win that football game, especially when the weather wasn't a factor, wasn't cold like it is late in the season at Lambeau, wasn't snowy, wasn't windy. This was a day that you would think that the offenses would be able to high and fly, and that's not necessarily what happened. So I thought overall it was a pretty good defensive day. There were some fun plays on offense for the Seahawks thrown in there. I did think that Drew Locke made a couple fantastic throws to Aesop Winston. There was another play where he was rolling out after he had evaded pass rushers like four or five different guys with the Packers. He first was rolling out right, then went to his left, and he had Kate Johnson coming across the field open at the last minute, and the throw was just a foot too far towards the sideline. I thought Kate Johnson might have had a chance to get his feet down in bounds, but the pass just carried him too far. But it was really an impressive throw on third down that almost went for a big game. So there were some really nice plays and a few almost plays thrown in there, but overall just not as efficient of a game. And typically that happens in the last preseason game because you're playing more backups. And a lot of these guys, aside from practice reps, have not played together very much. There were plenty of receivers out there that Drew Locke hasn't had quite as much experience throwing to as, say, somebody like a Jake Bobo who played early in the game and had a touchdown but didn't play much after that point. And there were a lot of guys in there that he hasn't played with very much in the preseason that mostly have been catching passes from Holton Aylers. So you've got a number of different chemistry-related issues, and that's typical for the preseason. So, again, don't put too much stock in what you saw in this game. I still thought that Drew Locke had more positive throws than bad ones. There were a couple of questionable decisions, which I mentioned last week. It seemed like he'd been getting away from that. Quarterbacks are going to make mistakes occasionally, though. So we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Again, playing with backups on the offensive line, which he had been doing for most of preseason, but he had some different receivers, different tight ends he hadn't been working with as much in there. 
those things definitely impact performance. And that's why preseason games tend to be sloppy. Defense, you don't notice it quite as much. I don't think. I think it's more of an offensive thing when you're talking about the chemistry and rhythm type aspect. So not surprising that both teams didn't put a ton of points on the board for that reason. But overall, I think it was a solid effort for the Seahawks. And I do think the fact Green Bay played starters in this game and Seattle was able to hang tough the way they did, I think that that is a positive coming out of this game, even though they weren't able to finish off an undefeated preseason. At the end of the day, these games don't count in the standings. So you lose by four, not a big deal. Would Pete Carroll love to win? Absolutely. But I think there were plenty of positives coming out of this one. And overall, this preseason, we'll have more opportunity to talk about this at the beginning of the week here on Locked On Seahawks. But overall, I think there's a lot more encouraging things that came out of these preseason games than the other way around. This particular game, though, unfortunately, as I'll discuss more as we get in-depth with individual players, there were more mistakes that ended up costing the Seahawks on both sides of the football in this football game. Coming up next, I'm going to hand out my final game balls for the preseason offense, defense, special teams. Who's carrying the awards home here on Locked on Seahawks? Find out next here on our post-game edition. And this episode is brought your way by our friends at Harry's. Being a bald guy, I'm always shaving my head to make sure I don't look like Dr. Phil. I did it again before this show. No matter why you shave, Harry's has you covered. For the best shave of your life at a price you'll love, from their legendary high-quality razors to skin products like exfoliating face wash and hydrating lotion, Harry's gives you a premium shave without the premium price tag. Get better quality and a better price than other razors when you get Harry's delivered right to your door. I recently got the starter set, which is a great $13 value for just $3 at harrys.com slash NFL. It includes a five-blade German-engineered razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and, of course, a travel cover. You can schedule delivery for refills as low as $2, half what you pay for other blades. It's shaving magic. Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, and they're still offering a no-risk trial. Don't like your shave? No worries. It's on them. Get your best shave ever this summer with Harry's razors and skincare products. Get a $13 starter set for just $3 at harrys.com slash NFL. That's harrys.com slash NFL for a $3 starter set. You're listening to the Sunday post-game edition here on Locked on Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. A special thanks to all the 12s, as always. For making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. For every day or tomorrow, I will be reconvening with Rob Rang. The two of us will have our Monday musings coming out of Saturday's game. More in-depth detail looking at what happened on offense, defense, and special teams. Plus, we're going to start looking at our final 53-man roster projections on offense and defense. Should be a lot of fun on that show. Make sure you are listening in. The Seahawks fell 19-15, to their comeback coming up just short in Green Bay. It was a valiant effort by Holton Aylers and company getting downfield into the red zone, but couldn't finish the drive off and interception in the end zone. Aylers just trying to make a play. Don't blame him. Nobody was open, just trying to get something done. And unfortunately, it just didn't happen for the Seahawks. But there was a lot of positives, a lot of positive plays coming out of this game and let's get to our game balls on offense. This actually was kind of a difficult decision for me because I was trying to weigh between three different players. DJ Dallas, Aesop, Winston were two players that I strongly considered. I thought DJ Dallas ran the football really well in the limited amount of snaps that he played in this game. Aesop Winston led the team in receiving yards and had three receptions in the game. So Winston definitely was a candidate as well. But I got to go more Bobo here. I mean, Jake Bobo. I have made the argument the last week that I didn't even think he should play in this preseason game. The Seahawks obviously felt he needed to have those reps, and they are banged up at receiver. So 
give him some opportunities in the first half. And the first play that he was targeted by Drew Locke, this is not his fault. I mean, he didn't get open on this particular play enough. It was an out route, and that ball should have been returned for a pick six. But you look at the other two targets that he had in this game, one of them went for first down, and then the other one, a long touchdown reception. So this kid just continues to get it done. And on a day where the offense wasn't moving the ball very well for most of the afternoon, the play that Jake Bobo scored on, you can just see the ability to carve up a defense with his football mind as a route runner. He's not going to blow you away with his 40 time. I think he's faster than a 499 on the football field. At least he moves better than that. But you can just see the subtle things that he does at the line of scrimmage with his release to be able to get the inside track that he wants. And then he's got a long enough stride and just enough speed that he can sneak past guys. And he just, again, he subtle is the perfect word for this guy. He just finds ways to get open and, you know that the quarterbacks trust him because when the football is coming his direction, he is going to catch it. Very soft hands, whether he's downfield, catching a contested ball in the middle of the field. At 6'4", every bit of 6'4", this guy is a difficult matchup for corners because he's much bigger than them, and he basically boxes them out. He's like a power forward in an NBA game. But we got to see the other side yesterday where his ability – to win downfield, he's not going to be getting 60-yard strikes like DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are capable of, but this is a guy that can catch you 25, 30-yard passes downfield as a big target that is surprisingly nimble, and he creates separation with his route running, not his speed. So Jake Bobo continues to impress. I thought he had made this team before this preseason game. He is absolutely on the 53-man roster. He was saying yesterday that he was nervous about cutdown day. Jake Bobo has no reason to be nervous about cutdown day. He is going to be on this football team. He's earned it with his play on offense. He's done some nice things on special teams. So really nice finish to the preseason. It may be the MVP of the preseason for the Seahawks was Jake Bobo. On the defensive side, this one was not near as difficult for me. Even though the defense only gave up 19 points, there were a lot of missed tackles. There were a few plays that should have gone for big yardage for Green Bay, and the quarterbacks just didn't make good throws. So – I use that as a little bit of a caveat looking at the secondary players for the most part. But I got to say this, my, one of my picks to click in Friday's show on defense was Jarek Reed II. And I made the comment, he needs to go out and prove what he's capable of. He needs to step up. And I thought he did that. And then some, he was the most impressive player on defense for the Seahawks in this football game. And you got to start with the two tackles for loss that he had in the second half. The one that really jumps out to me, it was, I believe, third and two or third and three. And the Packers ran a read option. Sean Clifford, their backup quarterback, is a pretty good athlete. He ran the ball a lot at Penn State. And Jarek Reed and Levi Bell. Levi Bell had the running back handled. So Sean Clifford took the football and decided to run outside. And number 32 was not going to have it. Got downhill, blew him up for a two-yard loss. There was another tackle for loss on, I believe, the possession before that. He also had a pass breakup on a deep ball that was a really nice play where he didn't interfere, was able to get his hand in the passing lane. So this was a great game for him. I didn't have him down giving up any receptions in coverage. And this is the most important thing. What has really hurt him the first two preseason games, he wasn't finishing tackles. I didn't have any missed tackles for him in this game. When he was getting to running backs, he was getting them down. Receivers, whatever. He was getting guys to the ground. He was wrapping. He was playing with the pursuit and aggressiveness we saw from him on his film at New Mexico. So I'm encouraged. Did that necessarily put him on the team yet? We'll have to wait and see because Jonathan Sutherland has been really impressive, but Sutherland did not get to play in this game. 
And Jarek Reed is a better athlete, six-round pick, a player that they still are very high on this organization. So he needed a big game, and he delivered. He was one of the defensive players that really stood out in a positive light in this football game, especially that tackle for loss on Sean Clifford that forced a punt. He was flying downhill. That looked like the kid at New Mexico that was an all-conference player that racked up tackles in bunches. He's just been swimming a little bit with all the different assignments he's had to learn at different positions. I felt like we saw a lot more comfort from him. That led to him playing faster, more physical, and delivering the types of tackles you expect from a guy that had that type of production in college. As for my special teams game ball, I'll talk about this guy some more later in the show, but one positive for Mike Jackson, anytime you block a kick that automatically puts you in contention for player of the game. And there weren't any real, you know, other sensational plays on special teams for the Seahawks. There were a couple of nice punts by Michael Dixon, but the blocked PAT for Mike Jackson, that gets the nod here. That made it a 9-0 game instead of 10-0. And at the end of the day, it wouldn't have mattered at the end of the game. The Seahawks still needed to score a touchdown no matter what. But anytime you can wipe a point off the board, that certainly helps your chances. And the Seahawks were able to do some things with a two-point conversion to take the lead in the fourth quarter. So I felt like this was one of the plays that really was a defining one for the Seahawks. And it was a nice play by Mike Jackson to get his mitt on the football on a PAT and block it. So Jackson gets the special teams player of the game. Let's shift our focus now in this 1915 defeat here on Locked on Seahawks. Let's shift our focus to three up, three down. And I do this every single week where I look at players that took advantage of their opportunity and players that obviously didn't. And this is a rare feat, something we're going to be talking about here in a few minutes. It's rare for a player to have a game ball and end up on three down, but I will I will get to that here in a moment. Let's start with the positives, the players who really impressed that did a lot to help themselves making this football team. And the first one that I want to talk about is Aesop Winston coming out of Washington State. This guy's kind of bounced around in the NFL as a kick and punt returner. He got a few opportunities in the regular season with the Saints a few years ago. He's been on Seattle's practice squad. He missed the second preseason game, so I did not have him on the right side of the bubble. I think that he may be that number five, or if they keep six receivers, that number six receiver now coming out of yesterday, the ability to win downfield. He did it twice. Two big plays. Oh, by the way, those were easily Drew Locke's two best throws of this football game, especially the second one on a fade route. That, that ball could not have been thrown better than what Drew Locke threw. It just landed perfectly in the receiver's hands in stride. And Winston was getting open. He was making things happen. You could tell he was having fun out there. He looked healthy in the preseason game, which was good news. So I think with his kick and punt return ability, the fact he's done it in the NFL and, and had a couple nice returns with the Saints a few years ago, I think that Winston maybe helped his cause more than any player in this game that was on the bubble. And with Jackson Smith and Jigba being banged up, who knows if he's available week one. Jarek Young might need surgery. We still don't have an update on that. There is an opportunity for a player like Winston that has special teams value to make this football team. And he took full advantage of leading the team with over 70 receiving yards yesterday. As for my other two big winners here on our three up, I got to go with DJ Dallas and Artie Burns. Let's start with DJ Dallas first. And I mentioned this earlier in the show. He did not play a lot in this football game, and you don't expect him to. He is a veteran running back. 
got a handful of plays on offense, but he ripped off a couple long runs. Credit to Anthony Bradford, who just missed making this list because there were a few mishaps in pass protection. But on DJ Dallas's longest run, he blew up a defensive tackle, knocked him back like four yards off the ball. And that created a semi-sized hole for DJ Dallas to run through. So that play was more about the offensive line. But there were a couple other really nice runs by Dallas where there wasn't near as big of a crease, and he was able to show some wiggle, a little better acceleration than we've seen the last couple of years. And he ran the ball well at the end of last year when he had his opportunities. This is a guy that has played well when he's been given chances to run the ball. So I thought he was one of Seattle's more impressive players. And with Kenny McIntosh still out, he's clearly on a team with a special teams value, but maybe he still fits into their offensive game planning as well with his third down capabilities and a little different style back that can get downhill, has a little more wiggle than you would expect from a player like that. You know the hands he brings as a former converted receiver at Miami. So there's a lot of value still to DJ Dallas. And again, honorable mention to Anthony Bradford for that massive block, hit another pancake later in the game. There have been some real flashes from him. He's just been very inconsistent in these first three preseason games. So couldn't quite put him here on my three up. As for the final one, Artie Burns, let's get the one mistake out of the way. And Pete Carroll was kind of joking about it yesterday. Artie Burns is not used to rushing the passer. They sent him on a blitz and he had Jordan Love lined up, but he ended up leaving his feet, which is a big no-no as a pass rusher. That allowed Love to step up past him, didn't get the sack, but he had a really nice play there getting into the backfield, just didn't finish. There were a couple other nice tackles. He was the one that made the stop on fourth down in the second half that stonewalled one of Green Bay's possessions. So he came up and showed a lot of physicality, had a couple pass breakups in coverage as well. I feel like he's had a very quiet, a quietly strong preseason. A lot of people aren't talking about him. I still don't know that he can make this football team, but there have been enough issues with some of the other corners out there in the preseason that maybe Artie Burns is one of your backups with his experience. Maybe it makes more sense to keep him. There could be some interesting dominoes that fall there at corner. And certainly Artie Burns has had a strong preseason. He's played well in training camp and he has played well deep into games. That might not be a good sign necessarily, but this is a guy minimum with the veterans you're allowed to keep on practice squad that Seattle should try to keep around because he knows the system. He's been here now two years, and I thought that he played as well as any other corner Seattle had in preseason play. Now flipping the script, let's get to our three down, and, and this is where maybe the controversy starts to settle in a little bit, and I'll get to that here in a moment, but Let's start at who was the who's the big, I don't want to say loser, I don't like the word loser, but the player that did not capitalize on the opportunities that were presented to him. Aesop Winston was able to. He had a huge game. And Kate Johnson was coming off of a concussion, so got to give him some benefit of the doubt there. This was first action back. He did make a couple catches, but that big play that he wasn't able to reel in, wasn't able to get his feet down inbounds, that would have been a game changer for the Seahawks, not just in this game, but for his standing on the depth chart. And there were a couple other plays where he wasn't able to bring in the football. I just felt like he had enough chances there that he wasn't able to seize. He could still very easily make this football team because he has a good chemistry with Geno Smith. He played well at the end of last season. He's a really smart player that's an excellent route runner. He's quick, and he's he excelled from the slot. There's a lot of reasons to think that he could still make this football team but I felt like Aesop Winston took much greater advantage of his opportunities and I didn't think that Kate Johnson did the same I felt like there were some missed chances and 
when you have minimal margin for error, like you've got at that receiver position, then that certainly makes it challenging to make a football team when you miss some chances, which Kay Johnson unfortunately did in this football game. As for my next one here on my three down, I'm going to go with a couple players here. The reserve tackles. I have been very critical in this preseason of Stone Foresight in the first two preseason games. And then the first two plays from scrimmage. First run, Forsyth just gets blown by inside on a slant, and the defender blows up the running back at the line of scrimmage. The very next play, he gets beat again inside in pass protection. Drew Locke's got to get rid of the football really quickly because the pressure's bearing down on him. That is a microcosm of what I have seen from Forsyth throughout the preseason. And I thought he calmed down a little bit after that point, but there were still a number of missed blocks. I just have not been impressed with the the regression, quite frankly. There's been no progression there. He does not look like he has taken a step forward. He's taken a step backward this preseason, and he's been very inconsistent. There have been some good snaps, but there's also been a lot of snaps where he has lost immediately off the snap, and you just can't do that as an NFL tackle. And I thought Jake Curhan had a pretty up-and-down game, too, gave up a couple of really quick pressures in the first half. That was one of the issues for the Seahawks in this game is Drew Locke was under a lot of heat, particularly the first two or three drives of this game. And a lot of that pressure was coming off the edge from the two tackles. I thought the, the run blocking was much better in the interior with Ola with Timmy, Bradford, and uh, Island had a couple decent blocks as well. But it seemed like they were having problems trying to move off the edge and the pass protection was not there either. So I wasn't impressed overall with the play from the tackles in this football game. I thought the Packers were able to get a lot of pressure off the line of scrimmage that way. The tackles just have to be better. And again, I've mentioned this. I think that's a position on the waiver wire. If you can find a tackle that gets dropped by another team that's got good depth at that position, that can be an upgrade. I think you try to find that player because I do think behind Charles Cross and Abraham Lucas, you got to have some reservations with the depth that you have at that position based on what we've seen this preseason. And last but not least here, this will be the second week in a row he's been on the list. And again, Mike Jackson is going to make this football team. He blocked a PAT. He had two pass breakups. One of those was a badly underthrown pass by Jordan Love. Give him credit. He hung with it, and he made the play on the football. Christian Watson, though, had to slow down his route. He had Jackson beat by five or six yards. There was that much separation there. He gave up the touchdown to Watson on a back shoulder throw from Jordan Love. There was another first down conversion given up. The tackling was fine. It just feels like he has given up a lot of plays the last two weeks, and Really, a lot of the Packers' offense early in this game was from attacking Mike Jackson. So he has not done enough to secure that starting job, to re-secure it. Trey Brown, I didn't see anything that was bad necessarily yesterday. He didn't have any splash plays either. But I feel like Brown was the more consistent player in the preseason. And, oh, by the way, Devin Witherspoon, from what Pete Carroll said, sounds like he's ready to practice this week. So they're hoping to get the top five pick back this week. Based on what we have seen this preseason You've got to believe they got to, when he's healthy, they got to throw him in at the other cornerback spot opposite of Reek Woolen and see if he can be the guy right off the bat because you just haven't seen enough. Trey Brown's been the better of the two, but there's been some mistakes for him in these preseason games. And Mike Jackson, there's been some solid plays, but there's also been a lot of completions given up, some big plays that could have been given up, and he lucked out, especially that deep ball to Christian Watson. So I don't think he has done enough to secure that job. He played really well in the practice field. I thought his first preseason game was decent, but the last two games, it's been a little bit of a struggle for him 
being on an island going against more athletic receivers. They've been able to get downfield on him. So I don't know that that job is his. I don't know if it's Trey Brown's either. Again, Devin Withers, when they get him back healthy, you invested that top five pick in. I'm still leaning now at this point that they're going to find a way week one. Yeah, you didn't play in the preseason, but your top five pick. We're going to get you out there and we're going to throw you in the woods against the Rams here in week one. So we'll see what happens. It could be one of those other two veterans. Trey Brown to me is the one that's been the better player in the preseason games. They both had solid, uh, including Mike Jacks had both uh, really good training caps overall. So maybe that weighs in more than the preseason games, but certainly there have been some big plays given up by number 30 in the preseason that hasn't matched what we have seen on the practice field, particularly against more athletic receivers that have been able to take advantage of him with their speed. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. Subscribe and follow Locked on Seahawks on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast to make sure you don't miss a single episode. Coming up tomorrow, it's Monday Musings. I'll be teaming back up with Rob Rang. More in-depth look at this final preseason game on offense, defense, and special teams. And we'll start kicking out our final 53-man roster projections. Will be a really fun episode. You won't want to miss it. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday and thanks for listening in. Go Hawks.